0: Hello listeners, welcome to Midlife May. So we're doing things a little differently on the couch this month. Instead of dropping new episodes every other week, you'll be getting a new episode each and every Thursday in May. And as the title Midlife May implies, we'll be focusing on the time period of midlife. People in midlife will benefit, people who love someone in midlife or in relationship with someone in midlife will benefit. We think it's kind of broader than just people in midlife who might enjoy these. So today's episode is on midlife-proofing your relationship. Later in the month, we'll talk about sandwich burnout, and the two podcasts in between will be interviews with Sarah Smeaton and Jen Mann, who are two amazing women who are in midlife themselves and whose work focuses on helping women in midlife. We're so excited to share these conversations with you. And speaking of excitement, we're also so excited to launch our 2023 Summer Workshop Series. We're offering four different workshops from June to September, a different one each month, and they're all focused on women in midlife with the goal of upgrading your midlife from bleak to badass. Check out our website, badassrebellion.com, for all the details. You can also sign up right now if you go to the website, and you get a discount if you bring a friend or if you purchase all four workshops as a bundle. We can't wait to connect with you. So once again, for more information, go to our website, badassrebellion.com. And without further ado, let's jump into today's episode.
1: Welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie.
0: And I'm Lucy. Welcome. So as you might know, all three of us are in midlife with kids who are aging and who will launch like off to college, hopefully, like in the next five years or so. So a little scary, but there's a lot of talk in this phase of life about marriages and romantic relationships, right? So we wanted to spend a little time diving into not only some of the concerns that arise, but also how we proactively try to sidestep some of these. right? So we're kind of using this phrase, how to like mid-proof life your relationships, particularly mid-life you. proof. Mid-life proof. Oh my god! Yes, thank you, <laughs> That's okay. thank you. Mid-life proof your relationships. So what yeah. do we even mean by that? Because I think we just made that up. Yeah, okay. I, I like what you said about proactive. That like we don't
1: want. I think there are just these natural shifts that happen in relationships during midlife and we want it to be something that you can kind of take an active role in instead of it just like accidentally, like sneaking up on you or like happening to you that you kind of look around you're like, oh my God, this stuff has changed. But to, I feel like if you kind of know something's coming and you can kind of like even like emotionally gear up for it and then ideally maybe do some things that kind of like minimize the negative impact that can feel a lot more in control and, you know, solid. You can just feel a more solid about it.
2: Yeah. I agree. I think it is. It's about being intentional. It's about being proactive because I think sometimes like if you're with someone for a long time and you are very focused on like the parenting aspect Mm -hmm. of your relationship, the couple's aspect of your relationship can sort of go on autopilot and get on the back burner. And so when there's these shifts in your family dynamics where maybe kids are, you know, a lot more independent and kind of doing their own thing, what I see a lot of times in my private practice is it can go one of a couple of different ways. And and one way, which can cause couples issues is when the parents really like invest all of their time and energy and everything in the kids and very much focus on all of the parenting aspects, you know, and whatever that entails. And then the couple stuff they're like oh well okay well we'll tend to that you know when the kids leave oh no 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) no 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 Mm -hmm. we need to do that throughout your relationship
0: Yeah. So let's even if we were to back up a little bit and talk about the trajectory of romantic Mm -hmm. relationships Mm -hmm. right so if we think a little bit about how they look at the beginning and how they evolve over time just in a very stereotypical way like what comes to mind for you I think about kind of this initial phase of like
1: infatuation and even like falling in love. I mean, it kind of is that feeling like a falling of like, it's very exciting, very like all encompassing. I mean, there's just like a feeling you have, like there's like, it's a wonderful feeling. I mean, it's an amazing phase. And I think when I talk to people in their kind of at the beginning of their relationship, sometimes it's alarming when that phase ends that, it, that, you know, there's a point, I forget when this comes, there's a point at which you like need to go pick up your own dry cleaning. Do you know what I mean? That you're uh-huh. just like, life happens. You can't just be in this like falling in love bubble and you have to go do your own things. And I think for some couples that can be kind of alarming of like, oh, what's wrong? And usually what that means is just we've kind of fallen into like more of a daily life partnership, which is actually really healthy. It can be a really nice healthy thing. And I think for a lot of people, there'll be a time then where they kind of transition to living with each other or being married. And there's even more of that kind of daily life support and love, but it's different, right? I mean, and certainly after however many years of marriage, I mean, the way John shows love to me now and the way he showed love to me when we were first meeting are very different. But I think that that just kind of changes over time.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think like you're not when you first get involved in a in a relationship, you're not in full control of your brain.
1: That's right. Um,
2: That's good way of putting <laughs> like, I mean, it. Yeah. it is it is all kinds of a soupy stew of yeah. like biochemical neurotransmitters and things like that that make you you know like attracted and mm-hmm. uh, attractive, attracted whatever the word yeah. is you know to your to your potential you know partner or mate or whatever, and you know it can feel like. An addiction kind mm-hmm. of almost is the same kind of chemicals that get stirred up to where you're like craving that person, mm-hmm. like you're like think about them all the time. It's ruminative, mm-hmm. and you know, we can't that state does not last forever Mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way and so then what ultimately happens is that you will experience disappointment Mm -hmm. or like the idealization phase of your relationship kind of drops off like you were talking Mm -hmm. about Avery and I've seen it being referred to as the fall from grace where you actually get to see all of the like Mm -hmm. nitty-gritty quirks and the things of your partner and so Yeah. I mean, I think definitely that can be kind of a shock, you know, Mm -hmm. to the relationship and then, but if you're able to move through that and you stick it out, then that's where sort of more of that committed, authentic Mm -hmm. type of love is, you know, created and is manifested. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think another thing is often at the beginning of relationships, there's a lot of focus and engagement. Yeah. Right? We tend to yeah. be very curious. We tend to be very intentional. There's a lot of date nights. There's mm-hmm. a lot of primping. Yes. <laughs> there's a lot of like all of those that energy yes. that like goes into like connecting and attending and being present or being attractive, like all of those pieces. And then I think sometimes mm-hmm. over time, right, when we we fall into this like more comfortable mm-hmm. rhythm of daily life and then maybe we get kids in the mix and like sometimes the relationship starts to focus more on kids and like running a household. I mean, sometimes there've been moments in my midlifeness where I'm like, I'm kind of disgusting. Like there's some <laughs> things that need, like hair that needs to be removed, right? There's like some of those things can kind of fall by the wayside when we get comfortable and we're just mm-hmm. not as intentional and, taking those steps to kind of, I don't know, like spruce ourselves up or make it like exciting and engaging. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like that kind of like,
1: I think we were talking too, there's this like fall from grace. And then a lot of times when you weather that, that's when you kind of decide, okay, this may be my partner for life. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of this kind of new excitement, maybe around wedding planning or living together, like we're going to pick a place or certainly during wedding planning, very much attending to the way that you're going to look and the way that you're going to present. And then like, kids happen. And it's like, there's just
0: no like, and life happens And life life happens. Happens. Day for like 20 years. That's, that's uh-huh. right.
1: That's right. And so I think that, that there is that kind of like, it ebbs and flows. There are these times that are like very much about connection and attraction and engagement. And that there are these times that are very much about like, kind of the daily grind and yeah. getting through whatever the, you know, newborn phase or, you know, illness. I mean, I'm sitting here right now with shingles and multiple times over the last week, John's like, okay, well, let's get to this and that. I mean, I'm like, I don't feel very sexy right now. I've got like this (laughs) rash on my stomach and like, we're trying to figure out which ice pack is going to be good. But like, that's just kind of part of being in a long-term relationship.
0: Yeah. yeah. And some of the things you deal with aren't very sexy. Like we have got mold in the house or we got, you look at yeah, whatever exactly. the kids are falling apart. Right. Yeah, like exactly. all of that. Exactly. And then yeah. other priorities, like sometimes we'll be like, okay, we need a date night. Like yes. it's been months, but you look at the calendar and you're like, we've got this activity uh, and that right. and like running around and like our only free night. Like, I don't want to go anywhere. Yes. Uh-huh. yes. Uh-huh. I want to be unsexy. My PJs is uh-huh. on the couch. Yes. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. So we know that divorce rates have increased in midlife, right? And that this can be a time of transition in relationships. So what shifts might happen in midlife that cause disruption in our romantic relationships?
1: I think one thing I've seen a lot is that there is this like, especially if children are involved, there is this like daily logistical grind of busyness that can sometimes really be all you can focus on. I mean, and so I think in midlife, oftentimes... Kids are older and there may just be some more space, like maybe like careers are in a different point. It's almost like there's some space to like even think about like, am I happy? How's this relationship going? Like there may be some freedom to like think about divorce that wasn't really there if like one parent was working, one parent. like. I think that there just are some like logistical changes that kind of open people up to kind of almost like take score a little bit, like kind of like take stock of like what's going on, what's serving me, how is it going? Whereas I think you kind of are a little bit running around with it like a chicken with your head cut off when kids are small and you've got 5,000 things going on.
0: And by the way, when we look at the statistics, you know, they use this phrase a little bit gray divorce, Mm -hmm. right? And they talk about the divorce rate double between 1990 and 2009 among adults 50 and older in the U.S. And then some other stats really the forties can be a pretty tumultuous time mm-hmm. in terms of divorce. So if yes, we you were talking about yeah. like, we take stock differently. I think we take,
1: yeah, absolutely. And just have maybe some space and time and even freedom of like, you know, Oh, okay. Like my life could work if I wasn't with this person, or I even have time to think about what it is that I want or, you know, and usually at that point, maybe a relationship has been going on for a
0: long time and there's, there's stuff. People but I think that that's such a great point too. So when, when we are in our 40s, like let's say you got married in your 20s, like you're not the same person as you were in your 20s, Mm -hmm. right? So you change your significant other changes. And then this question of does the relationship also change like along with that? Right. Exactly. I think too that
1: in some relationships, I think that there are these things that kind of start maybe as little sprigs of like resentment and frustration and irritation. And they can either kind of be put out, like weeded out, or they can kind of continue to grow and like take over the garden, so to speak. Because I think that there's a lot of resentment and frustration that can happen around like newborn years or job changes or moves or like any of those stressful times. There can be hurt feelings and upset feelings. And sometimes it's kind of dealt with and talked about. And sometimes it's kind of get put aside. So we got to keep moving. And a lot of times I think, I think midlife is where you kind of have time to tend to that.
0: Well, we've talked too about this loss of filter that can happen in midlife, right? And so like maybe in a little bit of a biological piece, you know, when you're in those mothering and caretaking roles, like keeping the peace can feel very important, Mm -hmm. right? And then as kids grow up, as hormones start to shift, our wiring becomes a little differently and maybe women in particular are more apt to kind of speak truth in a different way or, like, not put up with things that they might have. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this can sometimes be freeing and, like, brilliant for a relationship, right? And then sometimes, like, maybe some things come to light that just weren't addressed earlier. Mm -hmm.
1: And then this, like, idea of, like, staying together for the kids or staying together for this other kind of the other rules that maybe just don't apply as much when kids are off at college or, you know, whatever.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, like, you were... Mentioning earlier, Lucy, I mean, we're, you know, if you're in a long term relationship, you are most likely not the same in the beginning of the relationship as you are present day. And so I think that it's really important for expectations to change over time, and to be able to communicate those clearly. But yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, lots of stuff changes. Get, and lots so, of stuff changes. and yeah. yeah.
1: Almost like you have to kind of recalibrate as you go. Right. And I think mm-hmm.
2: midlife is a really important time to do that as you're going through all of these different transitions to take stock. It's a good time for that.
0: But I think sometimes, too, we've been through some hard shit, right? So yes. like it's the yeah. accumulation of big T traumas, little T traumas. Mm-hmm. Like maybe there's been loss, like parents who have who have left friends, kids, right? All of that can happen a disconnect between where you are and where you mm-hmm, thought right. you'd be unattained mm-hmm. dreams. Like so what one person or both people have mm-hmm. sacrificed. Right. And I think that sometimes in midlife, especially if you have kids and they've left, like it gets a little stiller and more quiet and there's just like the opportunity for some of this to bubble up. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly.
1: And I, I think you mentioned trauma. I think that there can be like individual trauma, trauma that you collectively have experienced and, And just like pace of life, you don't have the space or time to process and manage all of those things fully. And hopefully, if you've kind of done good enough so that it's not continuing to like fester, but not always, right? When you always hear those stories about like, you know, I never quite got over our decision to move. Or, you know, I thought I was okay with staying home, and I, I really see that that stunted my career. And like, and not knowingly, not like being the martyr, but just like, wow, that really did impact me. And I still haven't been able to kind of make peace or process or reckon with
0: it. Yeah, and that, like you're saying, impacts us individually, but is also bound to impact mm-hmm. our relationship. Huh? totally. Totally. So how do we midlife-proof our romantic relationships? And even starting there, like, what's the goal? Like, if that were to happen, like, what would be the goal of that? I think connection. I think continuing that connection.
1: And I mean, that's certainly going to look different for every person. But I read this article. I wish I could remember where. But this woman was writing it, and it was kind of like her kids were leaving for college. And she was kind of aware, like, oh, my gosh, they're leaving in a few months. Like, I need to get my life together. And it was scary to me. I was like, oh, my God, a few months I need to get get my life together now. Like, (laughs) I need to make sure that there are lots of things in my life that are not Wesley. Because there is going to be a time that Wesley has Wesley's life and I have my life. And that's going to need to happen, right? And I think that that also pertains to relationships. That I think so often you can get focused on the kids or focused on the day-to-day. And to your point, like, Everything does get quieter during midlife. And so it is really important to, I mean, I would say kind of knowing that you're getting to that point, try to tend to that as much as you can early and often. Right. And so whether that is like you said, the date nights, or even if date nights are just not working, finding that time for connection, whether it's like watching a show together or in just enjoying each other's company, traveling. I mean, even, you know, even trying to find a math tutor can be fun if you're together. It may be not fun, but it can be a time for connection, right? Of like, I'm going to call this person. What do you think? And like, I think I've certainly done this in my own life plenty of times where I just get so buried that I'm just doing these things by myself. And some things that's okay. like not everything needs to be a joint decision. But I think when you do feel like two ships passing in the night or like John and I would call it like roommates, when you start to feel like roommates, that that might be a time that like, hey, how can we reconnect? And maybe it is a date night or maybe it's just something as simple as like we need to have like 10 minutes of conversation every day or we need to like I'm just going to call you or send you a text like we need to reengage when we start to kind of have that feeling.
2: Yeah, and I think like that intentionality really is a huge driver for connection, you know, in relationship is that you've got to have the mindset of, you know, even though maybe I've been with this partner for a really long time, I don't know every single thing Mm -hmm. that there is about this partner, especially if we've been in, in relationship for a long time and we've both have changed, we may not know the the ins and outs, mm-hmm. I mean, taste change, interest change, all of those kinds of things. And so you have to be intentional and open, like being accessible and available to your partner mm-hmm. and being curious and learning about what is going on with them. There's a, a great activity, John and Julie Gottman, who are couples researchers who have this activity called love maps, which I, I really like. It's a list of a gazillion questions that you sit down and fill out yourself and and then, you know, take some time each day or on a consistent basis and go through those questions with your partner. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there are things like, who are your best friends these days? I mean, it's not yeah. like really threatening questions, but just really nice, like, oh,
0: okay, well, we're getting reacquainted. Yeah. We're getting to see where you're at right here, right now. Mm-hmm. But and I love that you just said it's not really threatening because I think yeah. sometimes we have this sense of like, all right, we have to have a really heavy, serious right, kind right, of conversation right. that's like super vulnerable and intense. Right, And there's a time and a place for that, Sure, but it's so much of connection. And when we go back to that, like dating phase, it's around doing things that are fun. Yes. Yeah, It's like having a good time yeah. and connecting mm-hmm. and enjoying it. And how do we bring some of that back?
1: Right. Or even find the levity in the stuff that's not fun. I mean, like, the math tutor, like, where you're just like, fuck, like, why
0: am I having to do this? And <laughs> Are like, Have you been finding a math yes, tutor? Is that yes, like top of mind? Yes, yes, okay. is, that, is that clear?
1: And, but to have somebody else be like, god damn, yeah, this sucks. Like, and just having some, aware, like, like doing things together, not feeling like you're having to do things alone. And to your point, not every conversation has to be a deep, dark, heavy conversation about the relationship. It can just be a conversation yeah, about a math tutor or about your friends or about what you want to do for vacation. Right. And taking yeah.
2: an interest in your partner. You did yeah. that so much, you know, when you were, hopefully you did that, you know, when you were in the earlier dating phase or whatever, but it's time to not just about the relationship, but who is this person sitting next to me or sitting across from me? And how can I get to know them again and and really, you know, pay attention to what's going on with them?
0: Mm -hmm. And I love that, Jamie, because I think sometimes we don't really listen. Yeah. Right. And I am so guilty of this, like half listening, half tuning out, focusing on something else, thinking about what I'm going to say next. Mm -hmm. And so how do we really like be present and attend Mm -hmm. to each other? Yeah. Yeah. Now, somewhat different. I think that there's also this piece and Avery, you were talking about like the math tutor and Mm -hmm. and kind of sharing that responsibility reminded me like sometimes I think in long-term relationships, things can sometimes feel out of balance, right? And we we have an episode on cognitive load. And I think often, I mean, I think this is something the Mm -hmm. three of us have struggled with, like as women, And, you know, these relationships, like we feel like we carry a lot of the cognitive load on like Mm -hmm. managing things that need to be done. And Mm -hmm. so how do we have those conversations and actually communicate Mm -hmm. around what we want and need? Right. So, oh, I'd like help with this or Mm -hmm. what can we do with that? Um, that those are probably important conversations to be having also, like actually
1: addressing. <laughs> totally, that's exactly right. I think we've been having similar conversations. John, as you guys know, have been, has been on sabbatical for, I mean, coming up on a year now and is now looking for new jobs. And one thing that we've kind of had to process, a little T trauma that we've kind of processed over the last year is how much he worked before and how much parenting I was doing alone. And he has been very vulnerable and open and all. we've had had a really good conversations over the last year about that.
0: And I don't know if he would have, by the way, realized that if he hadn't like stopped work altogether. Yeah. And started doing all of that stuff. So say a little bit about that shift that happened.
1: So John worked very, very much of the time for a long time. Most of Wesley, I mean, Wesley's like long, life, long hours, long Can hours, like long Monday hours. through Friday, he'd be there long hours and we usually work some point on the weekend. And so a lot of the parenting was just me. And that was great to have some flexibility with my private practice to be able to do that, to be able to you know, take Wesley to school and pick her up and do all the things. But that meant that a lot of the parenting was pretty much done in isolation or it felt kind of isolating for me. And so that's something we've talked about over this last year. John, when he stopped working, took over all of that, which has been amazing for me. And I think really there have been a lot of things that have come out of that. One thing is that John is seeing and recognizing how much of that He didn't really know what's happening before that invisible cognitive load and just time. He was like, this is a halftime job. Like this is 20 hours of my week that I am doing all these things. I'm like, huh? Yes, I see that. And I feel that. So there's this like validation that's come from that, but also this like being on the same team. He now knows more about the orthodontist appointments than I do. He now knows more. And so there's this, like, as we look ahead to him going back to work we've talked about it. Like, I just want us to be on a team. Like we haven't really, like I did it I won't say everything, but most everything for the first like twelve years of Wesley's life. And John's done kind of everything for this last year. And we're gonna have to figure out how to like play nicely with each other when this comes. And so yesterday actually John had an interview and he was talking about like when he was gonna start. And I was like, I can't talk about this right now. I've got a patient. And I said, But I need to and he came in later, he said, I'm on your team. I'm still a team player. We don't have to figure this out right now. Like I just want us to have I want us to kind of decide together when am I gonna start? Like I'm not leaving you out of this decision. And it was like, <sighs> like it felt so nice and such a connection of like, yeah, we are a team. And, you know, I'm still looking out for you. Like I'm not trying to leave you out, which mm-hmm. was really reassuring. But I think having those real hard conversations can be really important. And maybe that happens just the two of you. Maybe that happens with a couples counselor. Maybe that happens, you know, with fr- whatever. But I think that there are really good conversations that need to be had that can really maintain that connection.
0: Totally. So allowing you to grow together and allowing things to be different and to change and to like respond to what's so in the present, which is always shifting. Mm -hmm. What are some other ways we midlife proof our relationships? Uh.
1: I think another thing is probably to not lean on any one person for everything. I think that, you know, nurturing your friendships, nurturing your other activities, like nurturing your other. Like having your own life yes, is actually really yeah, helpful totally. for your relationship. Totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, there are times, I mean, in the last few weeks, and John is like, why don't you call Jamie or Lucy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, this is about my pay grade. I don't know really how to help you with that. But they probably do. And so I think just having those other relationships, those really deep connected relationships, take the pressure off. So you're not trying to get everything from any one person. Like you're not trying to fill up your whole life with your one with your child, with your one role as a parent. You're not trying to fill up all of your relationship space with like your
0: partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah can be really helpful I think like spicing things up too yeah right so how do we pull in like adventure and fun and new things Mm. and I don't know like just bringing that into the relationship too Mm
2: -hmm. yeah I think like trying new things together Mm. like creating memories with your partners what you're doing when you do that and it's a great way to connect whether it's a fun experience or it turns out awfully you know you can laugh at that and have it be a good thing I mean and Robert and I regularly do that he has ideas for stuff and expectations and he may have a good experience and i do not but we can kind of laugh about it i think i'm going to end up writing about it in a broadcast email about <laughs> our massage chronicles Oh,
0: quite oh, honestly wow.
2: of places that he picks and sets up and it's a wonderful thought and a great intention and he has a great time but then i go in and it's an interesting interesting less than ideal, quite I, it's, quite less than ideal. Uh-huh. it's less than ideal it's a, a lot of you know this last one a lot of attention on my ass quite honestly I mean I was like this is a lot of attention there and yeah. I've never had a hot stone put there like thank you for that like <laughs> I mean, and then Robert's like, how was it? You know? And it's like, he's all relaxed and uh, like amazed. And I'm just, did he had the same experience there. He did like, but no, he, I don't think he did have the same experience. Like, like he did he not, not have that they experience. focused on his
0: ass and he's like, this is wonderful. I think you'd really enjoy your yes, ass. Being. I don't know
2: what kind of massages okay. he's getting. I mean, okay. and this goes like way back. We have multiple examples of massage snafus for me, whereas he has the best time of his life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah.
1: <laughs> (laughs) I love it. Uh Uh I love it. But to your point, like it can be a fun experience. It can be a funny experience because it was so bad. Like, but all of that requires new, right? Like that we're going to try this new restaurant. We're going to try this new travel. We're going to try this new, Massage therapist. But right. I think that idea of like spicing it up with adventure mm-hmm. and play and newness. And even if it
0: sucks, it doesn't mean it was like <laughs> it a waste together. of time. Oh,
1: like yeah, it was just right. responding it's a, to a, totally.
0: It's a learning experience.
2: It, totally. was a, it was a learning experience. Totally.
0: Totally. Yeah. totally. I think the other thing to keep in mind is how do we like foster positive thoughts about our significant other? Right. Yes. Mm. What I mean about this is I can sometimes get caught like in my head being like, oh, like I have to do everything. Like, and I get kind of like resentful and grumpy. Mm-hmm. But if I intentionally remember, like, oh, actually, my husband does a lot, right? Yeah. Like, here are the things he does. Here's the ways he's participating. And I'm like, oh, okay. Right. And it helps yeah. me feel very differently, like, Ooh. when I tell myself a different story. Yeah. Yes. Once again, I'm not saying, like, like if the reality of it is really an issue, then, like, we're not saying ignore the yeah. reality of it. But sometimes our heads can get negative and skewed. And that's more about, like, maybe me being exhausted and me not asking for what I want and need. And I can kind of blame him for it. But that's not necessarily always fair mm-hmm. yeah,
2: yeah. yeah when i sent you all the picture of the humongous load of laundry that Oof. was on the bed that i came
0: home, you know, to. home to
2: on tuesday whenever that was and after i'd seen like 10 clients that day or Oof. whatever and was super tired walk in and huge pile yeah, it of laundry it, like, covered, yeah. the <laughs> it covered the whole bed covered the whole bed you know my initial thought was like oh yeah <laughs> you know like oh this is not what i want to be doing but then i have to take a step back and look around at all the other stuff that mm-hmm. Robert and, you know, Robert had done. I would say the kids, but I don't think they helped worth shit that day. But anyways, like he had done a lot. And yeah. so like I took the time, I put it up, you know, I yeah. put the laundry up. I could have asked them all for assistance, yeah. but he's, he's been doing a lot around the house and I have to like remember that I have to like pull back, take the drone view of our mm-hmm. relationship versus that little microscopic moment in time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think we've all been in those conversations where like a group of women get together and it's just like shit talking your husbands and sometimes it's yeah. really fun and exciting. I I'm, I'm not ditching it, dissing it at all. And sometimes you can kind of get caught yeah. in that looking for the negative right. and everybody's going to mess up. If you're I mean we all do. And if you're only looking for the negative, you'll find it. And if you do, try to look for the positive just like what you're saying of like, okay, let me think about You know, gratitude. What am I appreciating? What do I see that and I mean, I kind of joked this last year, it's been like, I don't do shit. I'm I'm appreciating it all, but like it's amazing. But there is that like fostering that positivity within your relationship because it really can make a difference. I mean, if you're only seeing somebody in a negative light, that comes through. And you don't want to be seen in a negative light all the time. And so that idea of like being the partner that you want to have is powerful i think
0: and then how can you bring humor in like there'll be times where maybe Mm -hmm. we're kind of like going at each other and i can like stop and be like oh my god this is ridiculous like i'm being ridiculous like like i'm so sorry right like we can kind of like crack up a little bit and it can just shift it yes Uh uh-huh so that levity sometimes Mm -hmm. totally anything else with regards to kind of being proactive and helping our relationship stay in a really good spot
1: I think much like when you're kind of over the falling in love love phase and things change, it's going to change. Things are going to change. And sometimes just knowing that can make it not feel like something's wrong and terrible, but just like being aware, like that doesn't mean something terrible. It's just normal. Yeah.
2: One of the things that I love to do—I mean, Robert and I will be our 25th anniversary is in August—is when we just sit around and kind of fantasize and, and dream about our lives mm-hmm. in the future. It's one of my favorite things, you know, like those hypotheticals. Uh-huh. Ooh, if we won lot, you know, won the lot the lottery tomorrow, what would we do? Uh-huh. Or where do we imagine ourselves in 10 years? Uh-huh. Or where do we want to go? Like that's always fun, whether it pans out or not, you know. But it just but like dreaming
0: together—it's yeah, yes. a great thing.
2: Mm-hmm. I love that. I
0: love it. So, a quick side note, because we're talking about ways to help our relationship go well, but I think we also want to acknowledge that sometimes like ending a relationship might be for the best. So, when might that be like the best thing? And how does midlife proofing your relationships like apply in those scenarios? I would
1: say that one, I think it's always a great idea, even for very healthy couples that are not headed to, to divorce to go to couples counseling. I think a lot of times, it kind of sometimes gets a bad rap. I think sometimes people have this idea that the only couples that go to counseling are couples that are in trouble or they're about to get a divorce. And if that feels really big and scary, you may stay away from it. But I think really it can be hugely beneficial. I mean, to be able to be in a space where you can kind of leave the stuff there, have a mediator, have some of these hard conversations. And so I would say if there is this, a feeling of like, Either this trauma that hasn't been resolved, or like, "Oh, I know we need to have some hard conversations, but it feels so scary, keep that in mind. I mean, that is something that can be hugely powerful for couples to be able to talk through things with with a mediator, so
2: yeah, I mean, because I think that's a i mean, it's a very complicated and individual type of question, you know, consideration, like when, you know, should I stay or should I go? Mm -hmm. And I, same with you, Avery, I encourage people to maybe talk to a mental health professional if they are like coming to that particular space. I mean, Mm -hmm. reflect on it on your own, you know, and reach out though, if that's something Mm -hmm. that you're considering. Because it's, I don't know too many people that are like 100%. I'm, I know that, Mm -hmm. you know, usually there's some ambivalence. There's a lot of mixed feelings Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, maybe stuff that you've been kicking around in your head, you haven't actually said aloud, Mm -hmm. which is very helpful in in therapy. Mm -hmm. And so whether you do couples work, and I agree with you, Avery, don't wait until you're in the moment of crisis. I mean, that's when a lot of couples come into therapy, Mm -hmm. but if you can be a little bit more proactive about it, it's less, I don't know threatening and could be more helpful to the relationship but if couples therapy isn't it or if your partner decides you know refuses to go you go to yeah. the individual and try to work mm-hmm. some of this out there. Yeah. And there's all kinds of resources and mm. and stuff out there about you know staying in a relationship, leaving a relationship, but ultimately it's people leave for all kinds of reasons. Mm-hmm.
0: I think just to throw out there, Gottman, as you referred yeah. to them earlier, have a, a book about, the I think it's called The Seven Principles to Making Marriage Work, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even if you're not married and if you're in a relationship, I think it's a great book to start to think about, instead of having to be anxious about my relationship uh-huh. or scared of it, how do I be, once again, proactive? Yeah. And what can I focus on that is really going to, you know, enhance the quality of yeah. my relationship uh-huh. and really help strengthen it? So that's yep. a great resource totally. that will pop in the show notes. Totally. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Next time we're talking about sandwiches, but not in the way you think. Jamie, you want to tell them? <laughs> I'll tell you on the
2: next podcast. Yes. We'll, we'll be right. talking about sandwiches.
1: <laughs> All right, see you then. Thank you for joining us for this episode.
2: Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts.
0: We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com.